What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up? What up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? It's Rebel Radio. This is our newest installment in our Artwork Rebels series in partnership with Gorilla One. If you like this one, go back and check out our other Artwork Rebels interviews with Slick, Risk, Taz, and maybe some others. Good stuff in uh, bringing lessons from the, the graffiti world straight to you. My guest today is Mike Delahut, AKA Wise. He's not only a graffiti legend, but he's also uh, a talented advertising creative, having worked on campaigns for Nike, Sprint. He did some work with us on the Cyan campaign. And uh, he's gonna tell us why, for him, graffiti and advertising are really just the same thing. And he's gonna give us some rules that have fueled his success. Number one, don't copy, stay original. And number two, just go for it and opportunities will come to you. He's got some great stories about how that's played out in his life. And I hope you enjoy it. We're going to get into that right after our EDM.com track of the week. Here we go. Daddy like a cigarette. One verse at a time, more extent, one hearse at a time. JDG ain't never seen a beat, he ain't flat line. Nigga, check the stat line, you ain't getting money, stop lying. You ain't really grinding, nigga. You just out here lining, nigga. I've been going through it, honestly, man. I'm tired of fucking losing. All these niggas fake, all these bitches using, man. I swear I'm about to lose it. Smoking weed while I'm cruising, man. My habit's so abusive, cause I'm always stressed out. They wonder why I use it. Dad told me, wake the fuck up, kicked out the house, guess they call it tough love. Guess they call it tough love. Guess they call it tough love. Cause they call it tough love. Will you remember me now that I've been gone? Got some place I'd rather be. Finally moving on, you're just a distant memory. After far too long, and I won't ever think twice. Okay, that was Open Water by Tough Love, our EDM.com track of the week. Mike Delahut is also co-founder of the Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Project. That's really hard to say. Uh, he co-founded with Danny Boy from House of Pain, and their project is about finding iconic locations from, um, from culture, like the house where the Warriors was filmed back in Oklahoma, and uh, scenes from music videos from Beastie Boys, Michael Jackson, Easy E. The list goes on. It's a really cool project. He's gonna tell us about that in our intro. Thanks to a little bit of tough love, So many. I think you have that illusion in college kind of days, though, where you're like, oh man, I'm gonna instantly be. A, I'm gonna run this company or <laughs> run Nike or something like that. I'm like, well, you're gonna start here. Right. <laughs> first and yeah. then you're going to work your way up because again it's you know the whole the whole process of a agency or a job or or anything working with artists and all that stuff it's like trust you know what i mean and you're going to have to build on that yeah. to eventually get someone to you know fund your campaign or your idea cuz you know if you have you're going to go out there and think that you're going to you know go out and command 200 people to come out for a shoot. Sure. 
you know, you got to get a client to yeah, buy off yeah. on that. Of <laughs> and they want to kind of know you. Too, you know? Right. So, like, you can't just be that crazy person, like, you know, oh, I'm going to go in here, guns ablaze. So, yeah. No, that's cool. So, I've, you know, I've been excited to have you on because you have like this dual path that, you know, yeah, I mean, I have a really untraditional path. Um, but, it, you know, it kind of goes back to what you were just saying, right? And so, and you know, we'll, we'll let Eddie jump in when he gets here. But, um, uh, you know, but you have this dual path of an of a ad creative and a graffiti artist, right? And, and, you know, you're talking about, like, starting from, you know, starting at the bottom and kind of building. Well, I mean, they both there. have the same – they're both, you know, the same thing in a weird way. They both, How do you, mean? you know um, – Graffiti has a, you know, a direct link to, I think, advertising. I think you're just, like, kind of advertising yourself as a graffiti artist sure. and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, and of course, there's all those other elements of where the, you know, historical perspective of what graffiti is. But, again, it's really just marking your territory and um, looking for a, a better way to get up. Yeah. And I think that advertising, again, um, that career path for me was really just the same opportunity it was like, oh, how, you know, except for now there was a client involved and right. um, they were going to fund my quote unquote getting up. Sure. So, you know, I always uh, kind of look, cool I always kind of looked at it that way. I always yeah. kind of looked at, because um, again, I'm a designer at heart. So mm-hmm. I always looked at it as art and whether it be typography or picking out a photo mm-hmm. or, you know, adjusting colors or whatever it was. You know, it was always still an art form to me. It was always still design. It was yeah. like, you know, because, again, that was how not only, you know, that was like my educational process was, you know, I went to art center. So they always kind of stressed your craft as like art. They wanted you, you know, it wasn't a logo. It was a design. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. it was more than that. It, right. You know, typography was not, you know, type in you know, your words and just lay it out. It was finessing it and, yeah. and really kind of, you know, perfecting that craft. And um, and I learned that, I guess, through graffiti in the early days too because that's what that was. It was perfection of your craft. Mm-hmm. You know, when you started, you know, again, when I got into graffiti, it was, you know, the mid to early 80s and the whole – you know, there wasn't a lot of people doing it. There might have been one book, yeah. Subway Art, at that time. Yeah, yeah. So wait, so take me back to that, and and even before that, like how did how did you get into art and and like? I you, think I just always did it. Yeah. I and you know, I gotta be honest. It's like I think that my dad and uh, family always kind of just like encouraged me to do it. I think. So you're painting and you know I, th- I think there's e- early signs of that stuff like yeah. your kids always out in the garage opening paint or right. something maybe they have like a lot of pens and they're always trying to draw and stuff like that yeah. um I got into you know I think that there was always those roots in me you know so when uh how graffiti kind of developed into it was because I couldn't break dance uh-huh. and you know a lot of people you know, forget that, you know, graffiti has its roots in hip-hop culture. And when I was right. coming up through it in those early days, it was based around hip-hop culture mm-hmm. more than it ever was now. Like now, sure, there's zero connection to it at all. Do you remember the first time, like, seeing graffiti or being exposed to it? Was there, like, um, was there a 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, to tell you the truth, so like growing up, I grew up in Woodland Hills Mm -hmm. in the San Fernando Valley, and uh, I grew up on the south side of Ventura Boulevard, and um, we were actually one of the first uh, neighborhoods in the entire country to get cable television. Uh So we got this thing called Z Channel. Yeah, yeah. And Z Channel had um, art movies and art films and stuff. It wasn't necessarily like... Back in these days, I'm going to date myself. It's like on TV and right. all this stuff. Yeah. It's like those were the ones that kind of showed the more um, mainstream movies and things like that. But Z Channel had all these like mm-hmm. artsy things. And a lot of it was coming out of like New York and stuff like that. And right. and you were able to see kind of – and again, not only was it Z Channel, I got to say it was also MTV. Yeah. So being one of those first neighborhoods in 1981, like – I remember Rapture coming out and mm-hmm. and and that being, you know, again, this is like a precursor to rap. And, you know, because, again, it's before, you know, I started hearing like white lines and sure. things like that. So I heard like Rapture and I remember seeing that video and I remember seeing Basquiat and Lee and, you know, Fab Five Freddy in the video and, mm-hmm. and painting and stuff like that. And, you know, I always had a connection to that like the minute you saw it it was like wow that's really fascinating that these people are writing their names really big i like writing my name you know it's like yeah i think one thing leads to another and during those influential years of your life you know you're always looking for some kind of uh i don't know something to latch on to something that's original something that's going to separate yourself from everything so when hip-hop culture came through i think it was easy to latch on to that and um, there was this outlet through it, which was art. And mm-hmm. that was something that I was fond to. Again, mm-hmm. like I wasn't really great at windmills, you know, or something like that, but my friends were. Yeah. And, uh, and because of it, I felt like, oh, I'll just be part of the team. I'll, you know, I'll right. paint ba- breaking or popping behind you and you yeah. do your, you know, your shit and we'll make it happen. And, um, that was basically the way it kind of starts. And, from that, again, you know, being in Los Angeles, being in a, you know, a really diverse part of the, you know, people forget about the San Fernando Valley, but it's really diverse. And there's, yeah. you really are going to have a great mixture of like different people in your life from people that are from the inner city. You know, it's like at, you know, Parkman, I was going to school with Ice Cube and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it was like you were basically connected to, um, a lot of the city through the valley, but of course you're just like this valley punk or something like that. But um, you were able to meet a lot of people, and they, again, they were, it was, the diversity was within hip hop at that time. So mm-hmm. it was like, hey, I, I'm really into doing this art. Hey, I'm really interested in like what this new music form is coming out. And then, wow, these guys are magical as far as like whatever their dancing abilities. And then again, yeah. it being young and being like, you know, curious. That you're like, wow, let's, you know, that was a a form of um, like social activity that was taking you over the hill to mm-hmm. the inner city, which mm-hmm. was something that I was fascinated about. So it was like always like getting on a bus and going, you know, to the other side of town and then like being with your friends and whatever they're like causing a breakdance fight or something like that. And, you know, the mall or something like that. But yeah. um, that was interesting Where'd to me. Where did you used to go when you came over into the city? Westwood. Yeah. Because, I mean, at that point, Westwood was... That was the thing. Yeah. I mean, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, Westwood was like 
the center of Los Angeles, you know, up until yeah. I guess, you until know, the riots. Yeah, the, the riots and stuff. Yeah. I was like, they used to have Mardi Gras and we'd go to that all every year. And mm-hmm. it was like, you know, and, and we would do this at 12, 13, 14, you know, years old. So I don't know if kids even get out of the house that way anymore. Like no. they can't just walk down the street and get no. on the bus and go down there so. and, and basically, basically like just show up back at home at night. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone ever knew that I was like going to the city or something right. like that. You're like 20 miles away, 15 miles away. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was basically, you know, you had a bus pass that the school provided you with and you were yeah. like, I'm going for it. But again, that avenue is where you started to see on the buses more tagging, more. And as you drove through the city, you might discover the first, you know, uh, signs of graffiti in the city. And, and that was fascinating, you know, yeah. because, it, again, graffiti wasn't something that, you know, was all over the Internet and sure. um, everyone was familiar with. It was very taboo and it was very yeah. like, like, whoa, like that stuff from New York is out here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like so, again, that stuff that you might have saw on, you know, a Blondie video or um, I also remember seeing Style Wars. I remember seeing that, uh, you know, it was like on PBS and stuff like that. But these were like, again, like not in the the culture spectrum. They were like kind of like appearing on like, you know, public access right. or on yeah. uh, educational television sure. or in an odd music video that you might have seen from the city or from, you know, um, not the city, but MTV or mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But, yeah, you would – kind of take those bits and pieces and slowly but surely, not slowly, it really happened really fast, um, people started to coming together because there was actually now a bunch of people that were like, oh, I want to tag or I want to like yeah. write graffiti or something like that. So it actually took off, I think, around that point. Do you remember your first piece? Um, yeah, I mean, it was on a friend's uh, <laughs> wood wall in his <laughs> backyard because, again, the first time you do it, you were basically, um, you know, stealing paint out of right. your dad's garage or, you yeah. know, your neighbor's garage. So you went and took, you know, flat black and uh, some cherry red. Like you had no idea of colors or mm-hmm. anything like that. And, and you had no idea of caps and nozzles and stuff like that. So, you know, there wasn't that starter kit that – I think today's world basically sure. has. It's like you can go down to any art store now and basically um, get a pre-packaged craft, you know, built graffiti mm-hmm. set, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, to go out yeah. and do your thing. But at those points, you didn't even know what was like spray paint. You just thought every spray paint was the same thing. And slowly but surely, again, you you learn the process because you either met people or through trial and error. But, yeah, the first piece – I think said poppin, okay. and it was uh, on wood, and it yeah. was uh, basically because we had a linoleum mat in the backyard right. that sure. you know everyone was break dancing. It on. was like a wild style kind of. Piece. It wasn't even a wild style. It was like bad bubble letters, yeah. and like you know, you know, again, you're yeah. like you're sure. filling it in with like sparkles and like. Right, I mean, right, right. you know, you were you were dreaming you could do rainbow or something yeah. like that, you know, but you weren't you weren't anywhere near close in those early days to like. If you might have seen Subway Art or something like that, like yeah. someone like Scene or Lee or, you know, Dondi um, or Blade for that matter, like you were just you were just in awe of that. And again, if you had the opportunity or you had a friend that maybe had been to New York and they had a picture or something like it was so coveted to see 
one piece of graffiti, mm-hmm. one tag, one mm-hmm. train car. You didn't you didn't have the again the the resources to go and uh, just see the entire world of you know social media to follow like oh this is a letter style and stuff like that. But you know right off the bat you you started to learn the rules of graffiti really quick because as you went around you were kind of critical. And you're like, oh, that person's copying this, or this right. person's doing that. So, so what? So, give me what's a, what's an example of a rule? Well, don't copy. I think okay. originality. I mean, you know, yeah. biting is whack. You know, what I mean, like, sure. I I'm a big believer that originality is so much more important than your um, your technical skills as as mm. far as like copying someone or mm-hmm. uh, that never impressed me as far as. Uh, you know, someone just getting good because they followed someone. It was always those really innovative people uh, that I drew, drew myself to or I tried to mm-hmm. uh, emulate or learn from or hang around, befriend, whatever it might be, you know, because, again, it was like those were the people that I admired and I always wanted to learn on that. So how do, how do you do that? Because it seems like it's such a... Uh you know, basic human thing to to copy something else you've seen, right? Well, I mean, like, there's how, just different you... people, I think, in life. You know, some people are more um, acceptable to copying. Right. You know, they don't. Um, but, but so for yourself, how do you develop that originality? Like, how did you create that? I that think your I, you, style? you just, you know, again, because oftentimes it would come out of frustration of trying to copy someone else mm-hmm. that I would in in turn turn to my inner self and draw something I wanted or do yeah. it in a style that I wanted um, rather than follow what was a popular or um, what other people were doing because again you wanted to right off the bat you wanted to do that New York style you wanted to right. kind of cre- you know create what you saw in a book or on film or whatever um, but you needed to also figure out how your hand worked into it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that applies to whether it's a tag or it's a, a graffiti piece or whatever. You know, certain people just have different hand skills. And so you need to kind of figure that out of like what your strategy is or what your, um, you know, your, uh, you know, what a qualify, you know, how can I say it? It's like, what you do best mm-hmm. is basically what you should turn to, mm-hmm. and if you uh, if you embrace that, you're you're gonna probably find more originality in that than again trying to chase the tail, you yeah. know. And again, those are those are lessons that again apply all the way through, you know, my career and my experiences, you know, because again, that applies all the way through to advertising and uh, design in itself. It's yeah. like you don't want to be considered. Um, a copycat, um, but there are people out there that have no problems with that whatsoever, right, you know. Sure. And yeah. and that applies to the graffiti world too. Right? Yeah. And I think that that's probably more of the case of where graffiti is today. In in you know, because I it's like I love it, and I you know embrace my peers and friends that are um, active in it, and I you know I love the I love the actual culture of it. I actually prefer the graffiti art side of it I don't I think that today it's like more just street art mm-hmm. and I think that it's become this more watered down like uh, 
again, less taboo, less mm-hmm. provocative uh, art form. Um, but I can't stop that. I, you know, everything evolves in life. It's like, you know, um, street basketball in New York has, you know, is now the NBA. Can right. I get, do I get mad about it? I don't, you know, I can't get mad about the yeah. progress, you know, because again, like that's part of my um, belief is that, you know, progress is good. And that's, and that's partially why I transitioned from graffiti to, um, you know, the commercial world was that, you know, I didn't look at it as, like selling out again, I looked at it as more of like getting up and mm-hmm. using their, mm-hmm. um, using their you know abilities to help me. So so when did that happen? Take bring take us back to that decision. When when did you decide art was was a career? Uh, you know, again, it, part so during the graffiti like, you know, uh, movement here in Los Angeles, towards the late '90s or mid '90s, I guess. Um, it would be the mid '90s or early '90s because uh, fashion lines started to come out mm-hmm. um, that were being run by graffiti artists. Sure, um, you had Risky in here. I worked mm-hmm. with him at Third Rail, and of course Eddie um, had a store, a very you know cutting edge store for the San Fernando Valley at that time. Totally. And it seems really funny to me now. I'm like, oh man, we're such like toys or some, but I'm like, it was so ahead of its yeah. time Absolutely. that now looking back on it, I have nothing but respect for the efforts made and, you know, and for the, the truths behind it. Cause it's like, you know, at first you're like, oh, this is corny. Like, what are we going to get a bunch of Tarzana kids hanging out here? And then I'm like, no, that's easy. E hanging out over there. Right. And, and Eddie will tell you his shooting dice yeah, stories sure. over and over, but <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> It was really like, again, um, it was special times then. And so at that moment, there was a lot of people, you know, were young, broke, kind of trying to be entrepreneurs. So the idea was to, oh, we'll make T-shirts. Well, here I was, the artist and stuff. And again, through art, I was always trying to learn the commercial aspect of it. And so that really benefited me in the um, early days of it because the T-shirt companies would say, hey, do you know how to even lay out a T-shirt? Now, mm-hmm. back then there wasn't – no one had an Apple you know, computer. You couldn't or something. drag and drop here. No, artwork. it was like you right. had to draw in yeah. like a black and white yeah. reverse film positive and cut you know, the screens, cut the screens or, mm-hmm. or you know, if someone was going to you know, float you the $20, you were going to go down to some you know, Hollywood facility and they were going to print you a – a film positive, but right. that was what the first steps were. We're like, oh, you know how to do this? Oh, you can do this. We'll have you do the, you know, logos for the T-shirt and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you, and it just kind of, I guess, progressed out of that. So it was kind of again, a, it was natural and it was organic, and it just seemed like something that everyone was doing. But um, but yeah, it just transitioned into doing designs and. Yeah, and uh, from those designs, then you again you meet another person, you meet another person, you meet another person. So. And so why you know some of the folks we've had on, you know, we we had Risk on, we had Taz on, like, you know, obviously Taz's background is a little bit different, but you know, but people chose different paths, right, to as ways of getting up of of exploring their art, whether it was going on to clothing, or whatever. So for you, why advertising? 
I, you know, I wasn't really trying to get into advertising. I, I wanted to get into design. Mm -hmm. And so I studied design and uh, packaging at Art Center. Mm -hmm. And, um, and again, just being a, a background of, of graffiti, like I always had a fascination to live in New York. So when I uh, graduated Art Center, um, I just packed up and sold everything and moved to New York and didn't have a friend, didn't have anything like really out there. Yeah. And uh, the first, well, I had a, a I had a friend. Uh, I had a friend that went to Art Center and she was going to take a vacation. And of course, I'm like sleeping on a floor, like on cardboard. And she was like, do you want to, you know, freelance? I'm over at Wyden and Kennedy. Mm. And she said, come on in. And I, so I said, all right, great. You know, I need a job right now. So I went in there and never left, like literally did not leave for four years. Like yeah. they, they like hired me, um, gave me a shot. And so that path, uh, and if, if you don't know, like the background of White and Kennedy, it's like Nike mm -hmm. and ESPN and mm -hmm. they were a new, office in New York. They, of course, had their Portland office, and that's where they were doing all their legendary work. And, like, here I was, like, this, you know, fresh off the boat uh, student at an art center in New York without a job, like, barely living. And here was the, you know, best agency in the world, basically. And they were like, hey, we'll give you a job. And I think that that path right there, uh, because I went with them that I chose advertising yeah. because I saw a company that had like mm -hmm. these like, you know, incredible, the talent there was like unbelievable. And then the work was unbelievable and they were doing advertising. And I was like, wow, this isn't what I envisioned as advertising. Cause again, when I, when I first got there, it was like the, all the legends were still working at Wyden at that time. So, I worked under this guy, Stacy Wall, who's like a major director now. Um, and I had a design director named Laura Ford and they were so like cool and like they uh, embraced culture and they like knew everything about whether it was graffiti or it was like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, whatever. It was a director or music, music, whatever it might be, a great film. They were just so well-rounded that I was like, oh, I'm in love with this. I love this environment. I, I could do this. And, and I think that that was a, you know, a very fortunate thing that happened to me just because, you know, I don't move to New York without a job. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you never know where you're going to end up in, in your path, yeah. you know. So to have that opportunity kind of that was my right out of college opportunity. That's amazing. Yeah, because, I mean, now being in the business for 20 years, like, people are always like, dude, how did you get a job at Wine & Kennedy? I was like, I don't know. Like, But to tell you the truth, they came back and said, uh, you know, we hired you because you were, like, a graffiti artist. You know right. what I mean? Like, and Yeah, so, that's what I want to know is, like, you know, especially back at that time, like, do those worlds come together or are you kind of live in this double life where you're – it's a double you know, life at guy. that point because yeah. at that point we weren't – you weren't seeing graffiti artists doing major campaigns. Right. Um, and – but in in order or like, you know, I got to give credit to Wyden was like they had that vision. Mm -hmm. So 
they kind of looked as like, oh, perfect timing for this kid coming through here. We we want to head this direction. And yeah. the creative directors, because again, creative directors don't do the work. They they oversee the work. They mm-hmm. guide the ship. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to build teams that are, you know, culturally in the know or connected. And, you know, if I was to have ended up at, I don't know, whatever big agency, you know, Saatchi and Saatchi or something, you know, yeah. or even a Deutsch at that time, they had no vision to go that way because their right. clients are different. They're mm-hmm. selling chicken or, you know, fast food or something like that. Yeah. They're not selling Nike, which was yeah. culture yeah. Uh, driven, you know, to, all the way through. So Clearly. when, th- you know, they they wanted to go that route. They're the creative director, you know, and I'll give a lot of that to Stacey Wallace. Like he was crazy that way. He wanted to like. He wanted major campaigns done by graffiti writers. And mm-hmm. he knew that he was never going to – well, he could. But he, they had the vision to know that if they didn't in, enlist graffiti writers or t- people within that community, mm-hmm. they weren't going to break through the right way. Right. And they weren't going to get the artists that Nike was going to demand, which was – you know. I could say, like, you know, we worked with KR and we worked with Scene and we worked with Caves. And and these are the first generations of these graffiti writers doing, um, you know, commercial work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they had the foresight to kind of see that they wanted to go after, the again, those people that were going to bring them legitimacy within that community. And they weren't going to go around the side door to do it. They weren't right. going to, yeah. they weren't, they were not an agency that was like, well, we'll just fake it. Right. You know, that was never, ever like a, sure. a topic at, at Wyden and Kennedy. Like yeah. you just don't fake stuff. So with that, I think that that, you know, again, that was all part of that, that perfect spirit where I was like, wow, they like me for doing, graf-. you know, I, I came mm-hmm. out there with like an art center, like, portfolio all like right. corporate on blackboard 15 by 20 you know what i mean yeah. like look at my logos and this and that and like i did layouts and stuff and they were like that's really lame like can you break out that that those like 300 book. graffiti books over yeah. there like and oh my god this is so cool like you know so again yeah that was that's so cool. refreshing and sure. and here it was like those were the people like i was like like in awe because i mean Hey, check it out. Rebel Radio is brought to you by Wix.com. Do you need a website? No, let me tell you, you do need a website, and you can do it yourself with Wix.com. No matter what business you're in, if you got a startup, your music career, your uh, earwax collection, I don't know what you're doing. Whatever it is, you need a website. And Wix is used by more than 84 million people worldwide. It makes it easy to get your website live today. You can spend time on your business. Don't spend time building your website. There's hundreds of designer-made templates to choose from. Use the drag-and-drop editor. You drop in your images, your videos, your copy, and next thing you know, you have a beautiful website that you built yourself. It's fast. It's easy. It's free. We did it with rebelradio.net. Check it out, and you can see the amazing work you can do with Wix.com. You're too busy with everything else. Stop worrying about your website. Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to wix.com, create your own website today. 
Send it to us and we will promote it online. All right. So so extract that for a minute. Like if you were talking to kids coming out of school who, who may not necessarily be graffiti artists, right? But how do you apply that? What's the lesson there? For Again, the I think us? it's like be yourself and you're going to get an opportunity, you know, because again, your first day in there, you're, you're a coffee guy. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this guy, he might, you know, say, hey, that guy does graffiti. Like let him do this campaign or something. Mm-hmm. Like you need things that are going to separate you from the rest. And if you can, again, apply yourself, whether it's like I like cooking or, you know, I'm into car racing or something, I don't know, you know, or fashion or something like that. And I think those are the things because you're going to have to be multi-skilled in yeah. in all aspects of life. So when you can bring in your, your own two cents and your own like kind of um, you know, your upbringing and your background, your past, you can help, uh, you know, again, the creative directors are driving a ship. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for people that might have the avenue to some like, oh, there's a street culture or uh, a uh, project coming through. Let Mike do it. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for because, again, you're looking for ways to separate yourself from the rest mm-hmm. and also opportunity. But um, – but again, like one of the, you know, I, you might end up at a big agency or something like that, and you're going to have to fight your way through 600 people. I, I got really fortunate in the sense of why didn't, because sure. they were a brand new office and there was 13 people in there. Wow. And yeah. those are including account directors. Yeah. And so there was literally like no one there to like do anything. So you had well, to. <laughs> and that's a good point. Like, I don't know that you could have predicted that. You Never. Know, coming out of school that, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, that's going to be the perfect place. But at the same time, I think, you know, especially young people, but probably most people don't pay enough attention to what is the culture that I'm walking into, right? Is this going to be the right thing for me? Well, you know, know, again, it's a culture-driven business. So, like, the more you know about anything, you're going to really help them. Um, Well, I know, like, you know, so we met through the Scion work, right, years ago. and, And, you know, that was a huge project in terms of its investment in street culture. And so, you know, I'll say like we started getting people who wanted to come work for us because they wanted to do that work. Absolutely. Which is cool, but, you know, they weren't always necessarily the right people for us. You know what I mean? Like like they kind of didn't care about us as an agency. They cared about, you know, I want to be on that piece of business. Well, that, that's, that's sort of the, the wrong reasons, right, to have that relationship. Yeah, well, I mean, because I've seen people turn, you know, Old Spice into a culture brand, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so, yeah. and become yeah. s- extremely successful because totally. of it. So, you know, that's one of the great lessons um, is that every opportunity can be an opportunity. You, yeah. you, you want to go after Nike because you say, oh, they're the best or at culture, Mm -hmm. but really anyone can be that. And, um, and I will say this, it's like Scion was a great example and a great lesson of a company coming into the game and embracing culture Mm -hmm. properly. Mm -hmm. They surrounded themselves with, uh, the talent and they put people, um, in place that would 
you know, again, a lot of stuff is about dot connectors. I always talk mm-hmm. about these people. Like, yeah. there's always this like one person sure. in the middle that connects the two to make it happen. And um, Scion was a great um, example of that, or a great you know case study of people that uh, knew people within the community, went and got like the best artists and mm-hmm. the most up and coming ones, and and really um, embraced that uh, because they. And they were, um, how do you say, they benefited greatly because they uh, they were able to take that new social media platform, and they had all these incredible artists and talents with it. And it wasn't just artists; it was music and mm-hmm. everything. And that platform gave them all these hits, you know, and, and all this right. awareness because, it, again, it 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 was rooted within the community, and that is authenticity which makes their brand go so much further like you know they they had an agenda they had to sell cars you know mm-hmm. what i mean but they sure. didn't force it down you know someone's throat or yeah. they they did it with again they did it within the community they didn't they didn't overly scrub the talent you know because they were really cool with letting in you know talent that maybe another brand might not be um yeah. Okay with, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, I've dealt with that a bunch of times. Of course. Um, but that uh they, you know, they did things right and and they benefited because of it. But that's why I would say like you guys were getting calls mm-hmm. just to be on the Scion team because Absolutely. people want that in their book. They yeah. want to be look, at the end of the day, you don't want to sell toothpaste. It's not it's not going to be fun, you know yeah. what I mean? It's not yeah. rewarding and especially if you're young and yeah. You know, you want to, you want to be on the culture brands um, sure. because that's what you see in front of you, and you're like, oh, I want to, I want to do great work, but um, you're you're gonna, you don't, you don't really know if that brand is gonna um, change on you. Mm-hmm. And, of course. And you know, we were talking earlier just a little bit about that the Dr Pepper Seven Up thing and EDM, and I think that that you know is a great example of like, you know, you. You might get assigned to some, you know, soda pop or some, and you're like, I don't really believe in that all the way. But you might right. find opportunities within it to do really great stuff or work with great artists and great musicians and things yeah. like that. And, and and at the end of the day, like that's what really matters to me. Like again, creating art, you know, through their mm-hmm. avenues of you know their corporate goals and stuff aside. Um, it's always great to have that ability to put your work out there and to, you know, help push a culture further. So what do you think? I mean, you know, you, you, you've been part of, you know, the, the Cyan work that we did and, the, you know, Nike, obviously, and, and you've seen these things up close. What is the, what's been the best brand use of, of graffiti specifically? Um, you know, I... I, I, you know, Nike's always going to be the ones that are going to yeah, separate fair. themselves, you know, because they uh, they always had cool. They let graffiti artists do shoes. Mm-hmm. And again, they have partnerships with the most, you know, again, the, the idea of selling out is like somehow lost when it comes to uh, doing a Nike product. You know, yeah. if you uh, were to endorse a coffee cup. You'd get ridiculed, mm-hmm. you know, so bad within any community. 
Um, but for some reason, Nike has always had this great relationship with the community. But I think, again, that that goes back to their trust, their belief. You know, they they have the last independent agency in the, you know, the entire world mm-hmm. with White and Kennedy owned mm-hmm. by two humans, not mm-hmm. not a New York board of directors. Um, they have a flawless machine when it comes to like what their brand represented to not only people and athletics, but also again to culture and to art and to um, and and their belief from the top down that they always encourage people to again not fake it, but to do the right thing, to do the best work possible, mm-hmm. um, because you don't you you shouldn't put that swoosh on anything and. Um, that isn't, you know, legit. So, yeah. uh, again, like, I think that they probably have embraced it the most, but I've also done, you know, work with Sprint, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Big corporate clients or even Dr. Pepper where we've, you know, been able to work with the best, um, uh, again, artists in yeah. the community. Um, and, and again, that that's not only just a testament to a great client, but also to great artists. And artists that are um, they're they're willing to work, um, and we find ways to, you know, we find ways to basically work around their you know uh, desires because some of them are like, hey, I don't want to be that far out there with this, you know, or right. I want to keep kind of my legitimacy. But um, there are great brands out there, but I think that it comes down to having great people in the middle. And that you know, that's not a tout to myself. That's a tout to clients and and creatives and stuff like that that recognize that and strive for that and push mm-hmm. for that. So, is there great graffiti work within brands? Yeah, across the board, I think you know I've seen incredible work. You know, at at every level. You mm-hmm. know, I just think again that it's best when they uh, when the clients come to you and respect the work in a way that they. Uh, they they recognize that the community can can attack them back. You know what I mean. Yeah, so sure. if you yeah. don't if you don't respect uh, the community and you don't respect the work, you're not going to get the benefit of it. And you know if you want that benefit, which is what I was saying, what Scion really got out of it is that social mm-hmm. aspect of it. Because mm-hmm. every you know every bit of um, advertising or design or whatever you know, must live in a social environment now. Yeah. And if it, you know, there's no, there's no buffers on that, you know. So if you don't do it legitimately, if you don't do it well, if you don't respect the artists, if you, you know, don't follow through on the, all the things, mm-hmm. you will get a worse result sure. than if you didn't do it at all. So it's kind of one of those, I always, you know, whenever, a, you know, a brief comes across my desk, like, because again, my all my work doesn't really reflect graffiti, but when it does have a street art element or something, or a culture-driven element, I you know I'm on eggshells, because yeah. a a I have a reputation, you know you know I have to represent myself and also the my peers and friends, and uh, I also don't want to step on any of the artists' reputations mm-hmm. and stuff like that because. You know, they they need a representative in in that room for them, too, because if you knew how things worked to get, you know, when you see a billboard or you see a television commercial or or you see a 
uh, an activation. You know what I mean? Like what, whatever it could be. There's so many cooks in that kitchen mm-hmm. and you have to go through so many levels and you have to take it up to, to people that they have no clue what you're talking about, you know, cause right. they're going to be the, I mean, they write in the check, you know yeah. what I mean? So, uh, if you need a million dollars to do something, which is, you know, not a lot of money, but it's a lot of money in this business. Sure. And, um, they will not give it to you just like people think like the corporate world is like, oh, we're just throwing money around or something like right. that. I'm like, I have to prove everything. Right. And Absolutely. if you could see, you know, what goes into just doing a graffiti mural mm-hmm. or something in the background arguments and the the closed door sessions, you know what I mean? And the and oh, yeah, also the weird vetting, the you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. you know, I've, I've heard it all about graffiti writers or yeah. – or even any artist or photographer or any, you can get a movie star and mm-hmm. it's a really dirty, dark table mm-hmm. conversation about like, can we trust that person, blah, blah, right. blah. And so you have to, uh, you have to have people on board that can basically, hey. um, well, we're joined by a good friend here, Eddie Donaldson. Um, you have to have people on board that can basically um, fight that good fight for you all the way through or, yeah. or projects don't happen. Right. And, and you don't get money and, and nothing, nothing ever. Like, sure, so when sure. you see something out there, you know, I, I, I uh, definitely um, respect all of it because I know how hard it is to basically get one cent out of a client to do yeah, anything. So Absolutely. Well, uh, welcome, Eddie Donaldson. What I miss? Uh, nothing, Everything. nothing, not a bit, you know. Awesome. Yeah, we're okay. done. Um, Jeez. Glad you made it. That was the train. Sorry, guys, just woke up. That's all right. We, All good. We're, we're sorry to get you out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> not me. Um, so well, yeah, that's that's basically it. It's like no, again, that's that's great stuff, man. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing now, and uh, Eddie was telling me a little bit about Delta Bravo. Yeah. Um, I, so give us what, well, what's I going mean, on with that. And Delta Bravo, it's like it was something started by uh, Danny O'Connor, and if you know Danny O'Connor is Danny Boy from the rap group rap group house of pain mm-hmm. um i guess he was on tour one you know one tour i guess and uh was stuck in tulsa and uh said oh i'm gonna go you know i'm bored you know so he figured what what happened in tulsa and looked up and sure enough uh the movie the outsiders was made there and mm-hmm. that's one of his you know favorite movies and stuff like that so i guess he went to the house and you know came home and was fanatical about like, oh, I want to find locations or something like that. And, and those locations ended up evolving into more like pop culture references and, mm-hmm. and, and anything that we could basically find. Well, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, I, I've known Danny for, you know, 35 years now. So, um, I think like I saw him post some stuff on social media and I was like, Hey, I know some cool stuff. Let's go out there. And, and really, it just uh, formed a camaraderie of like going out and doing stuff. It was like we would, you know, again, we become these like, you know, buried ourselves in screens, and yeah. you know, we spend Sundays like checking our social pages or something like that. And it was kind of one of those things, like, hey, let's get out of the house, let's go do something, let's go find something. And and one thing led to another, and uh, it's now evolved into like this whole like, you know, global. Uh, 
you know, brand of people that are out there trying to find stuff for him. And, and I think that the platform of him, because he had a, you know, he's a rap star and he's a, you know, a celebrity in his mm -hmm. own right. Uh, he had the ability to kind of get it out there and people were like, again, the same phenomenon, like, Hey, I like what you're doing. I like to do that. Yeah. I'm over here, you know, uh, I could go do Clockwork Orange stuff. I'm in London or something like that. You know, it's like you, you, uh, it grew really fast. And it's pretty it, cool. And it became some fun. Again, it was like. And, and, and what is the, what is the output? Is it, are there, is there, is there products? I mean, yeah, like we what? will do stupid things like that. But, uh -huh. you know, really the output now is like where, um, so out of that first experience, I'll, you know, I'll tell you the story. It's like, so Danny went back and, and bought the Outsider's house. Oh, cool. And so now the... In Tulsa. You know, in Tulsa. In fact, he's out there right now, and they're rebuilding nice. the front stoop and everything like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, two weeks ago, we had, you know, C. Thomas Howell and um, Darren Dalton and, nice. you know, a lot of the guys from, you know, S.E. Hinton was there. Yeah. And, and they're all part of this big fundraiser to rebuild that house in Tulsa. And, um, and I think it's just a wonderful thing. It's like one of those things like, you know... What started out as just some offbeat passion and like kind of cruising around. Yeah. Um, I think it was cool because Danny took it full circle and went back to its roots and, and went back and purchased the house and is now rebuilding it. And it's going to become a museum and, and stuff like that. And a big shout out to like Zachary Matthews and Donnie Rich and those guys that are all out there, like the real team that's out there like 24 hours a day, you know, rebuilding it. So what started again is like this novelty uh, Facebook social page, you know, has gone full circle to where I, when I was out there two weeks ago, you know, I saw an entire city and community like in tears and like, mm. uh, really, it, it is the most unbelievable thing I've ever, I mean, like that. I'm just saying, I know, I, I mean, I, I there are people, excited. there are people driving, you know, the, the outsider's house, like I, I talked to, you know, Danny and Zach about this. It's like, it kind of is a little bit bigger than just some like weird movie location. Um, it kind of has a bit of like that field of dreams. Hmm. Um, the, you know, they, they, there's a guy who owns that uh, field the out in field. Iowa or yeah. whatever. And then there's a, a guy who bought like the, a Christmas story house in Cleveland. Oh, wow. And these become like destinations of, uh, that are far bigger than what you envision. And, mm -hmm. and the outsiders has that. Because the outsiders is about brotherhood, yeah, and it's about the other side of the tracks, and it's about mm -hmm. you know seeing things the same way. You know the whole idea that if you know, it's the same sunset in Beverly Hills that we see in you know East Los. You know what I mean? So it's like it's it's this you know it's a beautiful story, and then that story is the second most read story by any youth group ever. It's the number two to Charlotte's Web. So oh wow. It, it's been read by every kid in school. Mm -hmm. They know the story. The, in fact, the, the movie itself was, was only made because an elementary school in um, Fresno, the teacher and the students all wrote a personal letter to Francis Ford Coppola and asked him to make this movie. Are you kidding? And Francis Ford Coppola said, I'm going to make this movie. They didn't even go to S.C. Hinton, who mm -hmm. wrote the story, but... Um, it, it so again it, it it's so much bigger That's than cool. that and yeah. so when i got out there and i started seeing like you know people were driving up from north carolina and 
all in, you know, people are crying and, and, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is like bigger than, mm-hmm. uh, this isn't about a movie. You know right. what I mean? This is about right. S.E. Hinton's novel, The Outsiders, and The Outsiders really appeals to us yeah. because people are either the socias or the, or the greasers, you know, mm-hmm. and, and at the end so. of the day, everyone knows who those two sides are because that's what we are. We've all been in that right. group. So sure. it became such a bigger thing, and, and here it is. It's gone full circle from, you know, finding pop culture locations and um, doing whatever to, you know, testament to Danny and Zach and all those guys out there to taking something that was, uh, you know, really slated for demolition. This mm-hmm. house it was about to get mm-hmm. lost, um, but saving it and giving it back to the community in the city of Tulsa. And uh, and I've never seen anything like it. I mean, the mayor was there. Ah, you know so what great. I mean? It's like yeah. it's always on the news. They put up yeah. – they put up street signs on the corner, Curtis Brother Way, you know, in the mm-hmm. Outsiders' house. Mm-hmm. It's like, it 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 changed people's lives. And and when I went into that neighborhood, um, the community—it's very poor. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it's it, sure. even when they made it, it was a very bad area. And yeah. and no one probably, no one in these like big city like places could ever understand like what poverty and. Small and, town, yeah. yeah, like yeah. just life in yeah. middle America is like. And uh, and when you get there, you really realize it's like, wow, this is really great for a whole group of people. And, mm-hmm. and what's going on here is like far bigger than like, oh, let's, you know, I love this movie. I'm going to save the house. Right. And it's not, it's like, yeah. wow, this is, you know, this could change lives in the sense of, you know, it could become a destination or um, or maybe just that neighborhood becomes like hip, I don't know, yeah. and all of a sudden, everyone who had these like ramshackle houses is like, Probably you know, yeah, yeah, sure. like, like the hipsters, hipsters buying right. Bentleys yeah. or something because they were like, wow, the you know, right. who would have thought the thing across the street? And right. you know, that's something that we've learned through the whole Delta Bravo experience is like, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many things, especially in Los Angeles, that are just unbelievable yeah. pop culture like oh yeah like well you're i mean i there, saw on the instagram page it was like it's unbelievable i mean the layers of that, it so yeah. you know what some person's like oh i'm gonna tear that down i'm like no nah, that's the that's the beastie boys pool like right. you know what i mean so yeah. there's so that's cool how can i say it's like there's like value in this mm-hmm. stuff because like i'm like you know, there's like a wall in East L.A. where, you know, Michael Jackson did Thriller in front of, mm-hmm. you know, it's literally in a hell hole. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm sitting here going like, dude, we could disassemble all these bricks. You know what I mean? Yeah, like there's Michael Jackson home, right? fans like home. we'd walk yeah. away with like 20 million dollars. But like that, that dude at the place is like, if you want to tear down the wall, cool. And right. and, and I, I don't want to be like, you know. Saying like you're trying to be money making on all this, but but there are things out there that you're just shocked yeah. that people might destroy. There's a you know a house out in Los Feliz right now, Craftsman, um, you know investor groups coming in there. They're gonna tear it down, um, build a you know high rise whatever apartments on it or whatever. But it's Walt Disney's first house, mm. you know what I mean? Wow. And and that's where he first came out and spent the time. He drew the first you know, cartoon sketches back there and everything. And and you sit there and you're like, wow, you want to tear that down? Like, do you not see the value in that? And, and I've seen in the past, 
you know, I've been kind of been a part of their great crew for a couple of years now. I've seen so many things like vanish because mm-hmm. they tore it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's it's shocking whether it's, you know, Marilyn Monroe's house was just tore down in Van Nuys. You know, I would rather live in Marilyn Monroe's house. You know what I mean? And and that's what excuse me, like that's what I think the outsider's house thing really brought too, because here was a, you know, a house in a neighborhood. You know, it probably was two hundred, three hundred dollars rent per mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm sitting here going, God, people on Airbnb would like pay totally. five hundred bucks to sleep in Pony Boy's room. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you could do that every night. But these yeah. people were sitting there like barely getting by, and I'm yeah. like. You know, and it's you you wonder why people, again, don't embrace history, you mm-hmm. know, and there's such incredible history. There's, you know, there's an incredible um, shack in, you know, Pasadena or, a, you know, a wood shed behind in an alley. And that's where Van Halen started. Oh, wow. And it's like the shed's still there. Yeah. And so you can go up and kick it right next to it. And I'm like, like I'm like, do you know what started like right. in that shed? Like. Yeah. It's almost like ghosts that come mm-hmm. out of these places because, in, again, if you, if you, uh, if you enjoy that stuff, if you like enjoy history, or if you, yeah. you know, again, as you get older, I think you know you see the, you know, it's like the Beastie Boys or something like that. It's like, you know, they're not around anymore. So like now you really appreciate it. Now you right. sit there and look and go, oh man, that's where they shot the video or something. It's like so you want to go over there, hang out. You know, you kind of feel the spirits, give a little shout out to MCA and you 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 go on your way. But it's magical to me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you you know these locations like um like the celebrities they are themselves. We've often said like the the location is a star in itself. Mm-hmm. So if it's the you know, there's a great one of, you know, Danny and a drone going into the Fast Times pool oh, in cool. West Hills, you know what I mean? Cool. But you know, it, yeah. The, to those people, they just see it as a house, and right. uh, well, those people actually know what they have, and yeah. like if you search it on Google, it'll actually throw you down the street and stuff. So they oh, they're cool. definitely like anti yeah. like yeah, yeah, quit coming over to my sure. pool, but um, <laughs> but to me, I'm like, dude, I'd pay you a thousand bucks to go in that pool and like right. have a pool party because I'm like, that's where yeah. DB Cates got out. In fact, I'd like to go into excuse me, Brad's bathroom <laughs> but not with eddie <laughs> but so um, are you are you um are you still doing art too yeah i mean i always still do art yeah. um I, I don't think you'll ever stop doing art i think that you always you know look for that outlet whether it's a canvas or yeah. um what? And, and and you'll do whatever i do a lot of one of the things that like, i've been working on is like i've been packaging experience experiences and i've been doing this for probably like over 10 years, and they're all in plexiglass boxes. So what, um, what does that mean? Well, I basically, like, wherever I've gone, I've just, like, collected stuff, and I've turned it into, like, a product that's always in this uniform box. Oh, cool. And there's literally, like, hundreds of them. And I can have everything from, you know, one can just be spray paint, you know, nozzles, but another one can be, like, you know, decks of cards and, you know, things from Vegas and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And they all are perfectly packaged in this stuff. And I'm kind of like, I'm looking at it as kind of like a, uh, maybe down the road, like it's like a, a piece that you could kind of look back at your life on mm. and see all the experiences because it's oh, like yeah. weird. It's like, I've got like 
say like a Vegas one or even like I have a Taipei boxes and Tokyo boxes and inside of it might be like ketchup from room service and stuff. And it's funny because it's like they're getting old and like yeah. they're changing colors oh, right, and stuff. Like and is that know. like is that stuff for sale? I mean, eventually maybe it's yeah. for sale, but I look at it as more of like I want to do a, a show where it's like literally like a grocery store mm. because they're all packaged. Cool. They all have labels like they and they all look uniform like packaging because, again, that's a reflection of me yeah. and advertising and design and packaging. Yeah, it's kind of like the Christmas gifts. It's, the, those are part of it and, and those are part of the series, but it's through 10 years. It's really interesting to look at now, at least from my point of view, because I see all my stories in them and and there's a lot. And I think it'll be really interesting to look back at, um, you know, maybe after I'm gone and and something that you can say, wow, look at all these fighting over boxes at your house. (laughs) Maybe. You know what I mean? You know, but I mean, it's 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 just something, again, that, uh, you know, it's it's again, art's not just, you know, painting art's not just uh writing your name or using spray paint. It's whatever you want to do with it. So yeah. if you uh, if you want to, you know, try something or push your idea some other way, I'm all encouraging for it. Because again, back to, you know, my original points, like, you know, it's all about originality and trying to do something that's new and innovative. And, um, and I've always, again, like I've always respected my peers and friends that have always tried to do something new and innovative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and <laughs> excuse me, because I think those are where you'll get the greatest results again because it's like you know looking at street art now or looking at you know the graffiti world again it's like uh, i don't even look mm-hmm. because it's just it just seems like the same thing over and over and over and over and over and um and i love that people are doing it i think it's great you know mm-hmm. but it's not gonna draw me to like again get on a bus and right. you know go all yeah. the way out there and take pictures or something but uh sure but it, it's still awesome and and i think that it's great that people do it and things but it's not as exciting or you know um so again if you're if you're out there doing stuff just keep pushing your originality because that's what we're seeing um people become very successful at mm-hmm. and so you know if you know if you're out there trying to you know, make your name with that kind of a movement or something like that, you know, look at yourself, be yourself. You'll find your own avenues and, yeah. and you, you'll probably be like, great, because again, you're original and someone will catch on to it and you'll be a phenomenon, like a space invader or something like that, mm-hmm. where I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's a prime example of that, where I'm just totally. like, the guy was like, I don't really care about, of that. I don't, yeah. I don't want to do spray paint or something like that, but I'm gonna walk around with a bunch of glue and tiles and and make an 80s, you know, 8-bit character everywhere right. in the world. And sure enough, like, it's phenomenon, phenomenon. Yeah. you know. Because those are, again, like, those are strategies based on, I think, what Shepard said, yeah. where, you know, it was like, I'll go right into your community and mm-hmm. and I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do wheat pasting or something yeah. like that. But, um, but again, like, people are such followers now that, you know, then wheat sure. pasting becomes like, oh, I'm going to do wheat pasting or, you know, or, you know, half of the... If I drive around the city now, I, like half of the things have some like Banksy like message. Right. I'm like, guys, it's you know, you're not that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. but it was cool when he did it. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And it was really innovative. So again, em- embrace the originality of things and and go for it. Like 
you know, that's one thing, you know, sitting next to this guy here, Eddie, you know, he's a prime example of two of someone that went for it. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I tell people to do that more and more, um, because that's, that's, what's going to hold you up in life is that, is that you're not going to go for it. And, and the people that I know that have been very successful in life just went for it. Mm -hmm. Like whether it's, you know, I mean, that's the way the seventh letter started. You know what I mean? It was like, Casey, I'm going for it. You know what I mean? Like, it was not a, it was not no planned, you know, thing, you know? And and when, uh, I always tell people, I go, the first show we did outside of the Reebok show that Tall did was a show called, uh, um, like, Street Dreams, I think, up at uh, Ghetto Gloss in Silver Lake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did it with Red Bull help sponsor that one. But it mean Ron English was there was, that. That was it was show. the only people that showed up were Seventh Letter and like their girlfriends and friends. Like right. no one, no one yeah. gave a damn. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, you know, here it is. Like I see people you know, lined up for Kanye or something yeah. in front of the store or something. It's like it. Yeah. it that show was actually kind of crowded. If you remember? It was bare. For, for, yeah, because there we was the there was twenty of us right, that right, all brought sure. four friends yeah. in a in a ramshackle. I mean, Pretty crowded. it's like a bottom of a, you know, an old house converted, you know, the ghetto gloss. Yeah. All right. But, I have, can, we, can we can we do a little lightning round? I have uh, we're almost out of time, but I got some sure. questions for you. Um, so uh, if you could give one piece of advice to your 18 year old self, what would you tell him? Go for it. And, and don't change what you, you know, again, that was that was the mentality I had going to New York. Yeah. And that was the best thing I ever did. Because, again, I had nothing, and I had no friends, and, and everyone was out here, and I was an L.A. guy. Yeah. But, you know, do it. Don't you're, – you're, you're young at 18. You're not – you're right. going to – you have so much time to come back home. Like, you can go spend there 10 years, come back. Everyone's doing the same thing. Sure. You know what I mean? So go yeah. for it, you know? Eddie, we haven't tried that question out on you, but what do you got? What would you tell 18-year-old Eddie? Slow down. Just a little bit. I would tell him that too, by the yeah. way. Yeah, slow down just a little bit. I mean, I went for it. That's for damn sure. But for sure. I just, you know, I think when you're 18, when you're young, some of the choices you make can stick with you. Yeah. So don't live with Adam Rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> what uh, What's something you used to believe that you then decided you'd been wrong? Um. That L.A. wasn't it, you know. I, that was a big, big, big part of, like, going to New York. And, and also my peers weren't it. Like, because, again, you don't – you know, I'm being, like, really honest here in the sense that, like, you know, I never believed that we were going to do things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you have that confidence at a young age to, like, believe that you can, like, you can do the Jordan type face. I sure. Mean, like that's things that you're going to have opportunities to do. Yeah. Um, but when you're young, you know, you're at home. It's the typical teenage angst. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just not, you're not that confident in the belief that like the friends around you are going to be like, because I mean, I would always say like, oh man, that's great. Like we all do graffiti, but I mean, we ain't seen in PJ, you know what I right. mean? 25 years later, my peers and friends within yeah. the seventh letter are 
maybe more important better, than yeah. seen in PJ. Sure. You know what I mean? And and I and mm-hmm. I have to give it to them because, you know, it's them that really went out there and 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 did that work. Yeah. Because there's no easy way to that kind of level of respect or. You know, when I think of a saber mm-hmm. or something like that, like, and I know all the tough stuff that he's been through, you know, and, and he's a legend in that community. Like, I mean, kids are like Definitely. crazy over him. Yeah. Um, I got to give it to him because, you know, I was like, well, you're from Thousand Oaks, bro. Like, you can't, you know, this ain't the Bronx. You know what I mean? Like, we could never be anything. Right. So that would yeah. be the one thing that I would say that. That's good. Uh, that, that. The people around me were incredible. What talent have you always wished you had more of? Oh, jeez, breakdancing. No, yeah. um, I mean in reality, it's like I I would rather have been an architect. Is that right? Life. Oh yeah, because again, it's like the Mike Brady shit. No, nah, not Mike Brady shit. More like you know I am Pay and oh, okay. you know like you know big time you know yeah. Frank Gehry kind of stuff. Because again, it's like. One of the great regrets of advertising is the amount of work that you put into it, or even design. Yeah. The amount of work you put into it to see someone shit on it, yeah. lost, throw it away—it's it it's disposable. Yeah. You know, um, I bet there's a lot of that in architecture too. I imagine. Yeah, but just, it's like when you build a when you build a ninety story, eighty right. story building downtown. The and I'm right at my window, they're building the new you know Korean Air Tower or whatever that is. Yeah. It's like. That's gonna be here for a thousand years, you know what I mean? And like that guy's art and that design yeah, and all true. that effort is like something that someone will look at and respect so long from now. And mm-hmm. uh, advertising is so not that. Like yeah. I mean, I yeah, I remember well, you know I'll just add this one story. It's like when I first got to New York, I remember um, laying out something like Derek Jeter ad for Nike, and it was in the New York Post, and you know. Here I am taking the train back home, you know, getting the, and I'm like watching the dude and he's like got his New York Post and like I'm like, damn, he's going to open it right to my, right to my ad right now. And he goes and like flipped it right to the next page. And I was like, <laughs> and it was it like hurt. you just felt right. all the arguments, all the battles, right. all the time you sent Don't in you there, know? you know, waiting that? for the film to come back. Oh, let's retouch this, blah, blah, blah. And I literally saw the dude go, right. and, yeah. you know, and, and that's the way you feel when you. If you knew how much was in a television commercial and then when I see someone, you know, turn it or, you know, we're also in a, you know, we're in digital recording day. We don't even stop on that stuff. Like if you knew like how much blood, sweat and tears go into that, like you would sit there and say, I don't ever want to do that again. Right. So I think that uh, that's why I've leaned towards architecture where I'm like, dude, I wish I would have made a 80 story building because that was never coming down, you know, permanent. Yeah. Uh, what's a what's a goal you'd still like to accomplish? Um, I, I really like what's going on again, like with the Delta Bravo thing, um, and I would love to see. You know, one of the things I'd like to add to this is that I would love to see those two, like my corporate world, mm-hmm. um, come along and change what is advertising, and I would love to be a part of that and mm. be a part of some bigger uh, projects that uh, start to shift the wave from what is traditional advertising, which I think is just a waste of time. Again, mm. like no one's ever been motivated to buy anything from a television commercial um, or a print ad or whatever. Uh, but I would love to see a, a movement where 
uh, let's say the corporate community um, found those kinds of projects that are truly beneficial to communities and mm -hmm. people um, and that they align themselves with it because say like an Anheuser-Busch or something um, who has billions every year at their disposal uh, could easily put a couple hundred grand into a project like this mm -hmm. and the results would be far greater than um, even their first class tickets that their execs fly around on. You know what I mean? Right. It's like yeah. they – we could – and I say that in the sense of like we spend so much money on the wasteful stuff that I would love to see the advertising community do things that were more totally. influential yeah. and more – um, again, about community and about, again about grassroots marketing mm -hmm. because marketing is something that really works better when one of your friends or peers tells you about it because yeah. if you see it on TV or if you see it anywhere else, it has zero effect to you. Mm -hmm. But when your friend's wearing a pair of uh, you know, Chuck Taylors or some, you know, you're more inclined to go, God, I, I dig your shoes. I'm going to pick up a pair. And 100%. because you trust your friends and you yeah. trust your peers. So I would love to see the advertising community, marketing, design in general, embrace better projects and embrace less of the clutter and more of the results. Mm -hmm. Because that was one thing that I don't know how to quantify in advertising was were we changing the needle were we were we selling anything right and the only way i ever really believed that we were was when people said oh, i like the product or i like what you're doing or i like the initiative or whatever it might be i i think that that is something that if if i could go away from this business with helping to influence one thing it would be that mm. you know because um i feel like just the the initial startup of like again back to the widened days of like them embracing someone that might have brought maybe not the traditional artist to the table or photographer or whatever it was that kind of a belief and that kind of a um challenging of the system to say well i'm not going to use those those 10 photographers sure. i'm going to use yeah. this skateboard photographer that is how to do it and yeah. so I would love to see, again, more of a corporate initiative towards better projects, better better things, things that people can believe in and rally around. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's, is that's a, great. It's a, I think it's a big part of, um, you know, why people dump on the country right. and stuff like that all the time is that uh, we are overstimulated by, like, you know, the corporate side of things and, and, all, and yeah. whatever it might be and that – if if they were to do a better job at, um, you know, again, building their names within the right way rather than the wrong way, I think that that would be great. Well, I mean, look at the political race. If that's not the biggest joke in the world. Oh, I can't man. believe it. You look at the HBO Crazy. show or whatever. It's what, I mean, the, the, the name of it. What's the name of the show that's on HBO? Veep? No, the one that's, on, that's the recap on the race. Oh, oh. The last week tonight? No, I don't know what it's called. But they're, I mean, it, they're we basically clowning. Oh, really? The election. You know, it's like it's, oh, a, I don't know it's a big is. hoopla. It's like. Well, again, know. I mean, you know, they're just we've we, we've become again a formula and we've become, you know, 
the formula now is to not have a formula, but that really is the formula. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's something that uh, because we're, you know, again, we're blaming corporate America, like say, you know, you know, when, when they want to yeah. go after Hillary, it's usually aligned with Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But the reason why we're so negative towards Wall Street is because we're we see such disrespect from the corporate side of things. And if the corporate corporations, again, they spend so much money and they do such bad work with it that if they were to show that they were about community, that they were about artistic ideas or and they, again, use that as an organic platform to have people say, I liked Scion because they did this or I mm-hmm. liked, you know, so that, again, all you're trying to do is put that card into someone's head to like right. when they're looking for a car, like, oh, I'll go to the Scion lot. Like Absolutely. they don't know if they want it, yeah. you know, and that's the same thing with with any uh, corporate uh, sponsorship. So if they were to change their ideas and their agendas so that people didn't feel so negative towards it because there really isn't you know it's it's a tough argument for me to sit there and disrespect corporate america because that's how we all work you know so, what i mean so yeah. like i don't it's like it's easy to sit there and be that skateboarder and point fingers and be like blah 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 and then like and then pump gas into my car like the hypocritical side of it is like no but i get your point <laughs> i mean there there's there's all this lost opportunity, right? There's, the money's being spent anyway. The brain power and the, and the heart is being spent anyway. Like you might as well do something that actually matters. Meaningful. Absolutely. And, you know, and that doesn't, that doesn't need to cost extra. That's just people accepting a different point of view. Again, yeah. I think it's going to come down to like new generation agencies and new yeah. generation talent yeah. that are going to um, – bring new ideas to the table and they're going to start very gr- small and grassroots and they're going to be like, they're going to get one little, you know, uh, promo for, uh, you know, distributing potato chips on a beach or something, but they're going to do it in a way totally. that's so yeah. respected and liked that Absolutely. people will sit there and, uh, and, and give back and, and also again, show respect because like it's, it's a really hard argument to, to me because again, I, I, I hate corporate America, but then I realize that we all, you know, rely on it every day. So, yeah. you know, if, if, if it's something that, uh, again, they, they, and they have the wherewithal to do this, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of it is just fear because they're afraid of like Absolutely. alienating someone or, yeah, and they've just, uh, you know, there's, there's a, there's 150 years into doing things the their way, way and the stuff, way you know, now. I mean, Absolutely. I, I'm almost curious to see what would happen if, I mean, it, in theory, everything would change, you know, the way we watch TV, yeah. the way yeah. we listen to things, the way, like I went to the Pitchfork Festival in New York or in Chicago. And I was like, it's, it's a bunch of kids that aren't like us because mm-hmm. it's different. It's like mm-hmm. Coachella, but different. There's no ads everywhere. There's no beer garden with Bud Light all over it. It was, it was very, you know, it was a very hipster festival, but it was all turned down a yeah. lot. And I was, yeah, 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 I was yeah. excited by that. Like yeah. I actually felt like I was at a party versus, right. you know, getting pitched a yellow wristband. Which is how it used to be yeah. 20 years ago. Well, I mean, look at Coachella now. It's every like, festival was like that 20 years ago, right? Yeah, and now it's different. I mean, yeah. even, you know, you get to Coachella and, you know, the surrounding 400 homes are right. all, you know, there's a Volkswagen house and there's a, yeah. you know, a Maxim house and there's a Coca-Cola house. And it's Absolutely. like they have nothing to do with Coachella right. at all. But 
Um, but it's been in a couple hundred thousand dollars on the activation. Yeah, but I would love to see them say like, "Oh, it's the you know the Coca Cola house," and I look over and I go, "Wait, they're building a house." And then I look into it. And I'm like, "Oh, we're building this for you know abused mothers or something like that." I'm like, "So they took all that money, right. you know, blew off the parties, right. you know, yeah, you know, Z Trip ain't spinning, you know what I mean?" But it benefited, totally. and then all of a sudden there's a buzz because they're like, "Did you see what Coke's doing?" Nothing. They're yeah. building a house for, you know, and, yeah. like, and and I think that they can. Amazing. They'll break. Someone's going to break that and someone's going to look. It's going to be good business for them at some mm-hmm. point. And they're going to be like, let's do it. It's a great campaign. We're getting it, you know, great results out of it. But um, the amount spent is unbelievable. unbelievable. And or the amount wasted. And yeah. again, it's it's advertising. It's, you know, print ads that come up, go down. Could yeah. you do something that's a little bit further with it? And, Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that would be a great, great you know, place to be with it. Nice. Well, hey, they're going to kick us out of here. Uh, my last question, I need to know, favorite DJ? Favorite DJ? Yeah. Jeez, I don't know. Like, who would be my favorite DJ? Lethal. Uh, lethal, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, for sure, you know, Lee's always been a good guy. I'm not a big... Uh, I mean, unless you're talking EDM, geez, man. No. Could be, could be whatever. You I want. don't really even listen to EDM at all, so no. that was funny to work in that <laughs> whole side of it. But I'm yeah, sure. I mean, favorite DJ. I mean, for sure, let's go with Lior. Love it. <laughs> that's a, that's a new one for the show. Great man, dude. It's such good. Hey, thanks stories, for having me man. on. That was like really it. fun, and you know, try not to get too serious on everyone, and you know, on no, I love radio it, land and stuff. stuff like that. How do people find you online? Uh, my name, michaeldelahut.com. You can okay. you can go to my website. You can see uh, my work. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just it's uh, hard to spell, and uh, but you'll find it. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically the best way to find my work. Or just nice. you know, turn on the TV. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> absolutely. It's and that garbage. It's that garbage. You're like jumping over every right? time. That's your work. Um, and I definitely encourage everybody to check out Delta Bravo. Do we know that the, the Handle, Delta Bravo, um, you know, you can find it through Facebook. There's a Twitter account. We don't have an actual page, so we're just on all the social platforms. But, uh, I mean, if you just look up the Outsider's House, it's going to take you right to it every time, too. Okay, um, cool. And anything with Danny Boy, again, like it's been a blessing to have a, a person, you know, of his stature because, again, it, it helps to get any kind of information out there when you have a platform quite like his. For so, sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. Love talking to you. Appreciate it. Eddie, thanks for being here, man. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Glad you made it. All right. That was Wise, a.k.a. Mike Delahud. I hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you leave us a comment if you did on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net, on iTunes, Facebook, or uh, send me a postcard. Most importantly, come back next week. We got Jennifer Cushel recorded live in Los Angeles for your listening pleasure. Peace.